Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. Happy New Year to you all, my lawyer listeners. It is 2023 and it's a new year. I hope that each and every one of you receive prosperity. Your health is intact. You're taking better care of yourself. All of these things are important to living a long life. Now, word on the street is we are going to have another COVID wave here in Canada, Ontario. And so I hope that each and every one of you is keeping safe. Because again, if it's happening here, it's going to happen wherever you live. So I know that we don't really want to wear a mask anymore, but we might have to on certain occasions. I know I've been wearing it at work and everyone's looking at me like, why do you have your mask on? And I said, well, didn't you hear on the news that, you know, they're speculating that another wave might be coming and everyone I know is getting sick. Uh, My boss is, you know, just caught COVID and, you know, my neighbor who has uh, a baby who's only been what a year, maybe a few months, she got sick. So I said, clearly, you know, I don't know if it's still the flu that we're struggling with because that's what we had during the fall. But for now, you know, I'm just trying to be safe because I can't necessarily afford to get to catch COVID. I've never got caught COVID before and I don't think I want to catch COVID now. And I said, you know, they're like, well, have you gotten your booster shots? And I said, listen, I only I gave my time for two at this point. I'm not going to keep shooting myself up in hopes that I never catch it, especially when there's a lot of people that I know who have literally gotten a fourth shot and we're still catching COVID. So at this point, I'm like, well, you know, I already got the two. I'm good to go. Like, I just need to make sure that I wash my hands as often as I possibly can, make sure I sanitize, and then also wear a mask when I'm in public, especially with people I don't know, because there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to take care of themselves, or they just don't care. Um, they may be struggling in life, and, and at this point, they're like, you know what, I could die tomorrow and I'm fine. Like, <laughs> I'm done with this world kind of situation. So I thought to myself, you know, I'll just do what I need to to do. This would be my first time catching COVID if that ever happens. And if if it does, then I'll survive. I'm a hardworking person. I take very good care of myself. I sanitize my home. My handles are sanitized. I clean very often. And I make sure to wash my clothes as often as well. So I do take the precautions that I need to make sure that I'm safe. And my job now is to make sure that I don't catch COVID from other people who aren't really that safe. I remember during the summertime, I went to a festival and I overheard from a few friends that did come to the festival that a few people caught COVID and brought it to the festival. And I thought to myself, it was so busy because it was Jaw Rule during the summertime at Blues Fest and TLC was there and it was packed. It was packed and people had to be brushing up against each other. You know, people could be coughing in someone's ear or on their clothes or in their face or something or another. And they didn't care. They really wanted to go to the festival. They really wanted to attend Jaw Rule and TLC. And so they all went with COVID. They did not care that they were infecting a large group of people. And so that is one of the reasons why wearing the mask is not just for other people's protection. At this point, I'm wearing the mask to protect me from people who just don't give a fuck. Sorry to say it, but it's the truth. 
Some people are reckless and they just don't care. Now, back to the new year. So I have been talking to a few of my friends, especially on their goals for 2023. Most are still trying to accomplish their goals for 2022, and I'm one of them. And even before that, because I, I had to transfer some of my my goals from you know 2018 to 2019 and 2020, and COVID hit, and it, you know everything went up in shambles. So most are still trying to accomplish these goals. We were having this discussion on survival mode, and I believe I mentioned it in a few podcast episodes because during COVID, I felt like I was in survival mode. I was just trying to survive, and how we just have not moved past that during this season because it's now 2023 and we're most of us are still in survival mode we are in survival mode before covid you know happened we were in survival mode we got into covid we were still in survival mode a lot of people are trying their best to to move forward but we just can't we just can't three years pass from that nightmare of covid And we thought it was over. But now inflations and a recession is creeping up behind us, (laughs) trying to remind us that, no, bitch, it's not over. Keep in mind, they have been warning everyone about inflations and a potential recession coming our way during that COVID crisis. Um, This is something that, you know, you heard here and there, but not as excessive as we're hearing it now. During COVID, it was a buyer's market. Some people took the risk and some people took out a mortgage that did not take into consideration future pressures because at that moment, whoever was prosperous during COVID and was making good money and had nothing to worry about didn't, did not look to the future and thought, okay, if I take out this mortgage now and I buy this lavish, beautiful house that I've always wanted under a buyer's market, and keep in mind, like there are certain houses that did not look like it deserved a million dollars, but it got it anyways um, because it was a buyer's market. And rather than just kind of waiting until it becomes a seller's market to purchase a house that you can afford within your means, or at least leave you with a little bit of disposable income, for you not to be a slave to your house a lot of people decided that they wanted to take that chance and buy it with the 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 little mortgage that they had and now they're they're now being affected due to the inflations because now the interest rates are going up um the bank of canada has changed a few things so your rsps are now being affected and if you weren't smart enough to lock in your rsps and you know a gic that has a good interest rate you're not making any money off of your rsps not that you were making a shit ton of it before so i think i even went into the bank with my mom and you know i I was like do you really need to have an rsps uh, mutual fund because at this point with the way that the world is going i don't know if it's wise for you to be pouring money into a, a mutual fund having the bank you know put put your money into to low risk uh, or medium risk types of, of, of things and you lose it. That's $100 that you're putting in monthly to make this happen for yourself. And she was like, honestly, I just don't see the money coming from it. And since I'm not receiving or I'm not seeing 
that kind of money, she told the bank that she would like to get out of the mutual fund aspect of the RSPs. And I said, okay, well, while we're here, why don't you consider a GIC? Because right now the rates aren't that bad, especially since we're not sure if it's going to skyrocket in the next few months. And she goes, all right, let's talk about it. And she sat down with the advisor and the advisor ex explained everything to her and, and all of that. And she decided to go with that. But one of the reasons why she's making this decision is because when she got the mortgage, you know, at the at that time, she wasn't really thinking about future pressures. And a lot of people go through this. They're looking at what they can do to help their situation in this current moment. They're not looking to what they need to consider for the future, planning for the future. So that's a lot of, of, of things that a lot of people, especially if they're first-time home buyers, or not first-time home, home buyers, but people who have bought in the, the buyer's market are now starting to see that there's no way out, like their interest rates going up. You know, they're having to deal with all of these, these, these pressures from, from food going up, uh, from skincare and, and other hygienic products going up, and then on top of that, still trying to figure out how they're going to still have the means that they had prior to buying or getting a mortgage and buying a house in a buyer's market during COVID. So others chose not to take on that liability and I applaud you for it. Or the bank told them they can't take on that liability because even if you get approved for a mortgage, and this is what happened with a friend of mine, even though she got approved for a mortgage with her boyfriend uh, for years, um, of years they've been in a relationship for for a long time and they just recently had a child they got the mortgage but when they went to buy the house and they could afford the house the bank said no bank said no to them because at this point what you're making might cover the house but you're not considering all the other aspects that comes with water electricity uh, fixtures that will happen over the next few years so until you can get yourself into a position where you can handle it all at least have enough disposable income that you can survive any rainy day that hits your way then sure but the bank said no you can't have this house even though you have a, a mortgage and you know you went to a mortgage broker and they said this is how much you can afford yes it falls in line with how much the house is, is cost but it doesn't leave you any room for anything else so a lot of people had to adjust a lot of people had have homes they were struggling to keep during covid because of the way that the market was and especially for economic wise a lot of people were losing their jobs during covid um, because companies were downsizing and trying to figure out ways to save money themselves and let's be real these companies are looking out for themselves so with everything going up and people having to do what people have to do, making plans and setting goals are, is difficult, especially going into 2023. Yes, we want to be optimistic, but it's still quite difficult. Another friend was telling me how she has created her, a, her schedule for the whole of 2023. And I thought to myself, the whole of 2023? God, you're ambitious. I was shocked. I create a plan and objectives quarterly <laughs> it's not a yearly because shit always hits the fan at some point during the year or every season i just said wow and i wished her the best with that um some of you are in survival mode and have been working hard to get out of survival mode others are thriving honestly enjoy it you have worked very hard to be in this position so keep thriving 
But as for myself, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, I can't say I really have any. I just focus on goals and making decisions. And this year, I'm going into budget mode. I found myself, you know, last season eating out too much. I found that I was buying coffee more, which I, honestly, my stomach was even saying, bitch, what the fuck? Like, this is too much. Go back to tea. Tea is life, you know? And so when I started calculating what I've been doing, I, I found that my fridge was always empty because I didn't buy any food and plan my meals. So budgeting means that I have to start buying foods and cooking it every day and not eating out at these these fast food places as, as often. I was getting bloated from all the, the, the salt that was in all of these junk food. So this year, I have to go back to what I was doing last year in the beginning and start all over again and cut back on all of that. I started buying groceries. And again, keep in mind, the way that these groceries are so expensive, it adds up to the exact same amount that I was paying eating out, but at least it's healthier. That's the part that I'm trying to focus on this season. So really, that's my ultimate goal. I mean, my ultimate goal is to pay off all of my debts. And yes, my ultimate goal is to get my credit score up to about 800. That would be amazing. So that's what I would like to do this year, but I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself to accomplish that goal, especially with the way that the economy is going. So that's all that I'm going to say when it comes to New Year's resolutions, which again, I don't really follow anymore. It's just plans. It's plans on how I can make my life better. It's plans on how I can put myself forward. It's plans on how to get the fuck out of survival mode. All right. So I've had some time to warm up my voice by telling you what's going on for the new year. And I know that I'm still a bit stuffy because again, the weather here has been up and down and all over the place. You know, we went from having snowstorms and, you know, ice on the roads and watching rain turn into ice the next day to just really nice weather. And, you know, the snow is melting and the ice is melting and it's a tiny bit warmer to then, you know, having lots of snow, ice all over again. And then today, nice and sunny. So the weather is really messing with my voice. And I really hope that I don't struggle through this podcast episode for you guys, but I am very excited to introduce today's episode, which is on mail order brides. I have met a few mail order brides, so I was unaware that it was so popular, especially in Canada and the States. The States, I understood. The States, I understood, you know, that being very popular. I grew up in Jamaica. So hearing a lot of females trying to get married to someone abroad so they may start a new life, a prosperous life, as I grew up, I just assumed that that was just a a cultural thing and that mail-order brides, now that I'm learning about it, I feel that it's somewhat different, not completely different, but somewhat different. To me, mail-order brides is similar to an arranged marriage. They don't really know each other, but connect in wedlock for advantages on both sides, for both families. Mail-order brides were considered to be courtship by mail. A picture of the bride was all they got. Once these females got off the boat or the train, 
they would meet their husband or future husband and be married within that day. The marriage by photo is what it was called back in the day. They say most mail order marriages occur between 1880s and the 1910s, but was only documented in 1920s. Keep in mind, this is the US. In a response to the American genocide, there was a rise in photos, photo brides or picture brides. Some came from the States and the US, but others came from Japan, Korea, Armenia, Greece, and Italy. I believe mail order brides goes beyond that time. I believe that it has existed for centuries, but I could be confusing it all with arranged marriages. In the beginning of time, man has had to work the land to prosper, to live, and the land would give them life through vegetables, fruits, and of course, animals. These people were not paper pushers like we have today. If you read the actual Bible, it tells you what kind of life they lived during those times and how far away they lived from each other. Most of them had to travel far, long distances just to find a wife because the wives weren't coming to them. They had to go get them and hope for the best when they find their neighbors had how many daughters. Hopefully you're lucky enough to pick the prettiest, youngest one, depending on the currency at that time if they needed money or they might pay in animals cows goats pigs whatever they had to to acquire a wife they had to do that most were not rich enough to acquire multiple wives as solomon did in the bible he was rich enough that he could um, and he did have multiple wives from different nations from different religions from different everything to live with him in his gigantic home and he had a shit ton of money so he could do that he could afford to take care of them but unfortunately some of these farmers who live on a big land and they have to farm that land they have to work that land from this when the moment the sun comes up sometimes a little bit before when the sun comes up they're already out there in the fields working they're already in their barns working making sure that everything is done. Some They don't have the time for multiple wives. So finding a good one that can man the home while they are working in the yard and hopefully she will produce many sons so that he will have help to, to govern and manage his own property, his own land. Because again, if they want to eat, if they want to be prosperous, they would need to man their land they would need to reap as much benefits from that land as possible and hopefully bring it to another faraway town to sell it so that they can have money to buy more luxuries. And so that has always been the currency, especially in that time. The motivation back then was very simple. It was all about procreation and of course, have a woman man the house, you know, man the house. <laughs> man the house i love it man the house a lot of men in those types of situation you know had to just kind of take what they could get especially if they don't have the means to provide a a dory for a particular looking woman and again it's all about looks it is said that the first mail order bride was my or were migrated to jamestown colony of virginia which also collapsed in 1607, Jamestown was also entirely male, so they could not find wives. They decided 
to leave deserting the colony. The leaders of that colony decided to advertise in Britain for women willing to settle in the new world. They were advertising for young, handsome, and educated maids. They had to be Christian, of course. It promised land and prosperity. Due to the situation in England where families' lands were taken and poverty stalked the underclass, for some women, this was a great opportunity. Between 1619 and 1621, almost 150 women answered the call. Damn. In the colony of New France to the north, King Louis XIV had put himself in charge of the program of recruitment. Many of the young women are orphans and very poor. So the king gave each a dowry and new clothing. He even covered the cost of travel to ports of embarkation and the voyage to New France. These females were known as les filles du roi, which means the king's daughters. When they arrived in the colony, they were given free boarding and lodgings until they were married. Between 1663 and 1673, some 800 eligible women crossed the Atlantic Ocean to become the wives of farmers and other settlers. By the 1800 settlers to the prairies, they did not have much. They built their shelters, but it was more of a shack than a home. Most were already a family unit, so the young men had a shortage of females. This was where the mailing of bride system really developed using churches. <laughs> churches. Oh, is that really a good source for this new system? Well, let's see. The bachelors would write letters to churches back east looking for wives. Some place personal ads in newspapers. Women who responded began a courtship by letters. Until the question was popped, of course, there was no real verification system. So the only way to, to find out if it was true or not was just to live by the words being written in that letter to you. If they said that this is who they are, what they look like, then that is all you have. Once the females got off the train, though they were, well, both disappointed because the female did not look like the picture she sent. And the grand, the grand story that these males had sent them in these letters about how they own a big house and everything is perfect and they have lots of food and there's lots of money. Well, they were, again, very disappointed. <laughs> the grand house is a shack and she looks nothing like her photo. Moving forward in time, entrepreneurs saw the potential that having a business such as this, creating an agency such as this, would be lucrative for them. Making money off the path to true love. The business was born and it remains lucrative till today, really. Now it's on the internet. The need to escape the struggles in their own countries are still a factor today with many sites popping up where women sign up to eventually catch the eye of a man overseas who would marry her and free her of the life she's lived or bring her to a new place 
with fresh opportunities. It is still big in our world today. Men in our society are looking for traditional ladies with family values and a strong desire to take care of close people. Lots of them are interested in dating brides with other cultural backgrounds. Most men are still into that kind of life, especially if you were raised a certain way where you have seen a clear distinction between a man's role as the head of his family and a woman's role as the submissive in the family. And submissive doesn't necessarily mean that you are bowing to the man. It just means that he takes on the role of a provider and protector and she takes on the role of manning the house making sure that the kids everything is being taken care of that's that is the traditional role of a family of a husband and wife in our current society unfortunately that tradition is not so anymore (laughs) Um, just because it's getting more expensive to live so women now have to find a job outside the work and men are now having to take on some of the responsibilities at home when it comes to taking care of the kids and especially manning the house so now you have two heads of the family not just one that is protecting and providing for this family in order to to live a more comfortable life because that added pressure on a man to to provide for every single person in the household And when there isn't enough money and your job's not paying you enough money to be able to do that, then yes, the female has to step up. She's going to have to get out there. She's going to have to get a job, even if it's part-time, so that she can bring in a little extra change to help with the situation at home, to make sure that they're all provided for and that the male doesn't have completely the entire stress and burden on his back male and female are now having to take an active role in the development of their family in their prosperity in their retirement they have to work together to be able support their families the world is changing you went from people who had land and had to farm that land become prosperous on their own merits and their own efforts to having to come into a corporate type of world where you do less farming and farmers are are not necessarily considered to be the best profession. And they're not even completely considered as much in decisions when it comes to policies and procedures, especially in government. And so that, of course, you can see the rise of that problem in the U.S., with the way the government is is behaving. You have the Democrats and the Republicans and the Republicans claim to support the farmers and you know they've been pushing that narrative and, and so the anger comes from, from that side because the farmers have been forgotten. They have outsourced most of their goods and services to other countries and so that limits the profit that a farmer could make. And so they're not necessarily in the in the highest regards when it comes to professionals when there should be because you need your farmers. And so a lot of kids grew up wanting to be police officers, firefighters, wanting to be a senator in a government or becoming the president of the United States. And a lot of them are geared towards going to corporate society and, of course, become paper pushers in business suits. So you have a limited amount of people who are still 
base their their value system on the standard of owning a land, farming that land, and living off of that land. We don't have that much of that anymore. So everything in this world has changed. Families don't look the same. Families don't have the same philosophies that they used to. And so with that comes changes in, in every single way. Keep in mind, this is also an issue that we have in Canada. Um, I know a farmer who, you know, we would talk about politics a lot because politics was his way of life. Politics prevented him from doing a lot of things, you know, seeking a profit um, from from the backbreaking work that he had to do on his own farm with his own animals, with his own fields. And so he was even explaining to me at some point that, you know, the government have somehow put them to the side. It's almost like the hard work that they put into the land here in Canada kind of doesn't really mean anything for them. And they don't really consider what they're going through and listen to what they're going through to through and, and to actually implement things that will benefit Canadian farmers. So I find Canada, especially Canadian farmers, aren't as loud as the Americans in, in the way that they're, they've been pushing uh, Republican parties to, to better find ways to take care of them. But the narrative here in Canada is the same as the U.S. It's like I said, they're just louder than we are. <laughs> I guess we're just too damn nice. You know, these farmers are sitting at home patiently waiting, but they're pissed. They're pissed as well. You know, they're having to send off, sell off their land to companies, uh, especially in the states who want to build things on it that, you know, it pisses them off. They have no choice. Yes, they're making millions of dollars by selling off their land, but they're still, they just feel like the Canadian value system, especially when it comes to family values and taking care of each other and, you know, the farmers and, and taking care of the farmers as well and taking into consideration that the goods and services that they produce is just as good as the goods and services that they're purchasing outside of the country. And yes, you make contracts and negotiating deals with other countries to foster good relationships with them where you would take a cost of their supplies and bring it here to Canada and maybe you take something from Canada and send there but at the same time trying to build proper relationship with another country is starting to deteriorate the relationship that the government here might have with their own people so didn't mean to go into that but I did want to mention it because that's where all of this came from mail order brides came into effect because they were people who lived on lands and in communities that did not have females and they had to outsource their females just like now when there you have a country who's outsourcing goods and services rather than relying on the farmers within their country and basically limiting their the quantity that they can make because again if you keep producing food that your own country won't put in in grocery stores and out in markets farmers markets so people can buy it then guess what it means that they're going to produce less and they're going to make less money and they won't be able to provide enough jobs to boys and kids in the community that might need something um depending on where they live so i feel that it's 
this is still an issue that is going on. And I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, you know, not to diverge from the path of this podcast episode, but I really just wanted to touch on what I have been seeing, especially in the news and people that I have spoken to here in Canada um, about how dissatisfied they are with the government and how they are just not taking care of the little people, the people that don't have grand education, but they do have land and they farm their land and they just feel like, you know, the government is talking down to them like, oh, you're not very educated. And it's like, how is a paper pusher going to tell a hardworking man who lives on a farm and is, you know, working that farm? How is a paper pusher going to tell him that what he is doing isn't good enough, but his role as someone in the government, someone at the top, pushing papers and just talking smack with other people is more important than him. I get it. I get it. The most popular countries for mail-order brides are Thailand, Russia, China, Ukraine, Philippines, and Vietnam. Their ages range starts from 20 to 28 years old. According to the reports from the Commission on Filipino Overseas, mail-order brides constitute 10% of Filipino ladies and males from other countries. 44% of them are U.S. citizens. 2,000 lonely females from the Philippines find their ideal partners from or for the whole, for their whole lives each year with the help of such services. And 800 of them bind their lives with American guys. Similar tendencies work for ladies from Russia, Latin America, and other areas. The United States Citizenship and Immigration Services reports that marriages that appear thanks to mail-order bride agencies are less likely to end in divorce than for the general population of the developing countries. Almost 80% of these relationships have lasted over, over years. Mail-order brides agencies unite from 4,000 to 6,000 couples between the U.S. men and foreign brides each year. In 2007, 11,000 to 16,500 mail-order brides. Based on the statistics in the U.S., it is evident that the rate of united couples is actually higher, which gives a lot of hope for potential members of international matchmaking agencies they say that mail order brides statistics show that online dating leads to better and more importantly lasting relationships now i wish i could say that i believe all of these statistics for what it is but unfortunately i also believe that there is a good side and then there is a bad side to something this great. Keep in mind, these statistics, yes, does prove that these agencies do work, but you also have to understand that this is also a very lucrative business. And because it's a lucrative business, having statements such as this out there in the public is beneficial for such business. No one really knows the circumstances of what these mail-order brides have to go through. No one. And as much as these statistics are showing that, oh, it's great all around, that is not the case. I always, always believe that there is a good and a bad to any circumstances. This world is not built on everything being good and, you know, there's nothing bad. There's there's no such thing. As far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing. 
But let us continue. In America, 20% of Americans have a spouse of a different ethnicity. In Ukraine, every 15th marriage in Ukraine is international. Most of the Ukrainian ladies move to their husband's country. In China, Chinese mail order brides are extremely popular amongst foreigners. Marriages between Chinese ladies and Americans are the most successful. In Shanghai, 1,000 marriages are registered. I wonder how Donald Trump feels about this. You know how he feels about the Chinese. To continue, in Latin America, Colombian, Brazilian, Venezuelan, Mexican, and Cuban are the most popular countries where international marriages last longer than 15 to 20 years on average. The Canadian government proposed changes to the immigration rules that will change the status of women who marry and then divorce upon arriving in Canada. But I thought, based on the statistics in the U.S. and so many other places, that male order brides have a lasting marriage and there's fewer divorce. I am so confused why the Canadian government would be making such a statement. Hmm, I wonder if this is the dark side. There are a lot of Canadian women that meet men via online dating get engaged and married then move to that state some women study abroad get engaged and married then they move to canada to start their new lives together i would not consider the situation as mail order brides but we do have a lot of migrating and immigrating to other countries when a canadian woman gets married so what i have just mentioned to you i have actually met people that you know went abroad and studied met their husband and got married and then came back to canada and started the process to bring their husband here from europe and i met this particular individual while i was working at the ottawa hospital and she was telling me that you know she met her husband while she was studying there and he was uh, a European citizen. So I asked her, I said, why, why did you decide not to stay? Like, why did you both decide to come here? And she just said, well, I just wanted to be closer to family. But I also felt like she wasn't telling me like the full story. But again, I just met her, so I didn't really expect her to admit to a lot more than that. And then I had also mentioned, you know, women who married people from different country here in Canada. And I have, I have, there's about two of them that I met from my church or my previous church. I had to quit that. And one of them was originally, you know, um, a, an Irish citizen and her family came to Canada from Ireland. And so she was looking for a husband here in Canada even though they're citizens, she was looking for a husband here in Canada, but she, she, she didn't find any luck here. So she now had to go online. I think it was like Christian Mingle. And so, because again, they're all looking for people with the same faith as, as they have, but a lot of people don't take into consideration that just because you've maybe were raised in a family with Christian values doesn't necessarily mean that you yourself have that value. A lot of people are not equally yoked in the same level with Christ as they would like to be, but they do put on a show. So she had met her husband 
on Christian Mingle because she got tired. She wasn't finding a man in the current church that we were with, we were at, and she was even telling me her frustration onto this that, you know, her brother who happened to be the pastor of that church was trying to hook her up with some like weird suspects. And when she was mentioning some of these weird sub, sub, uh, suspects, I was like, why that one though? <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, right? <laughs> I'm telling you these Irish women, I love them. I love them so much. And she was like, this isn't it. Like, why would you think that I would want this? You know, and I, and I get it. You know, come, keep in mind, when you look back at some of these complaints that people were having back in the day before these agency came along about, you know, people lying about what they look like and what they actually do. In this situation, she actually saw the person face to face and, you know, as much as her brother and, and you know, the, the, the leaders of the church were like, oh, he's a great man and he's wonderful. I was like, girl, no, <laughs> I, I would I would suggest you go to a different church if that's the case, but she can't leave because her brother is a pastor of the church. It's going to look bad. So she went to Christian Mingle and that's where she met this um, Latina guy in the States with a Christian background. And I was like, okay, but I mean, great that you guys are talking on a phone and FaceTiming a lot. And, you know, knowing Christian girls, they tend to tell you what you need to say to fit their criteria. And keep in mind, it's not just Christian girls that do this. A lot of girls that do this. And so rather than just letting him explain where he is at with Christ, you kind of already gave him the answer so he can just repeat it back to you. So, but I don't actually know if that's actually what happened. So she met this guy and, you know, they were talking a lot and they ended up, you know, he came to Canada. He met her family. He was very shy. I think he was like an engineer. Um, so he, he's a nerd that just likes to sit in his office and work all day constantly all day and he was the complete opposite of her but she really wanted to get married so it doesn't really matter if he if he was that type of guy or not and I remember talking to her after you know while she was talking to him and she was telling me like all of the things about him and I was like girl I I love you but I know you come from like that strong Irish background that, you know, does this and does that and does this and does that. And for you to kind of go into a marriage with somebody that is not on your level whatsoever, I, I hope your marriage lasts for a few years. And she was like, no, as long as he's, you know, rooted in Christ, like we should be fine. She's the type of girl that likes to go hiking. She's the type of girl that likes to go on adventures. Um, she's the type of girl that, you know, when she wants sex, she, she better get it. There's, there's no conversation. She better get it. And so you better, you better, you better be up. You better be ready. There's no, I'm tired. I have so much to do today. I was on the computer all day. Nope. Nope. It's time for fucking. She's that girl. So he, he doesn't give me the impression that he was that guy. He was very submissive. He wasn't very, he wasn't like the manly type that I saw her with or that she envisioned herself with because she's such a strong personality. She kind of needs to be in a relationship with somebody that's a little bit stronger than her or as strong as her, but he was quite weak. I, I feel bad for saying because he seemed like a nice guy, but he was, he was a good bitch. That's all I can say. So she would go to the stage and she'll meet his family and she'd get along with his family. But all he wanted to do was just kind of sit there on the couch all day whenever he wasn't, you know, working in his 
his office for hours on end because he he's a nerd like what can what can you do so she would force him to go hiking and he'd go along with it because he's trying to impress her but he was struggling he was really struggling and she was just kind of watching like okay i guess i'm gonna have to make friends if i want to continue this active lifestyle that i'm accustomed to so so then another girl in the church ended up getting engaged to a guy from the u.s as well and he he planned he orchestrated her engagement in such a way that even i was impressed i was like buddy you really laid it down (laughs) you know he made sure to to have his pastor friend you know keep her company with his current wife because they were good friends keep her distracted while he got everything ready and he was so nervous that he was sweating profusely in the shirt. So he told his friend, he's like, listen, if I'm going to propose to her right now, I can't be proposing to her sweaty as fuck. So the pastor went and he got, you know, one of his shirt from his closet and brought it to him and escorted her. And they go, we're just going to go for a walk, you know, near the canal or, or the Ottawa River downtown. And she was like, OK. And then she met with him halfway and then they kept walking together and he was waiting for the fireworks because we have a, a in ottawa we have like this international fireworks that we have during the summertime where every country would or every embassy would have paid for a certain amount of fireworks and completely design it so that it represented their culture their country or whatnot and it's always a wonderful event like everyone goes downtown and they stand out there in the cold watching this fireworks not even cold it's summertime at night it's nice and cool so it's in the nice weather of Ottawa. And so he brought her on the canal, but keep in mind the canal is usually closed. So I have no idea how he pulled it off to allow them to go there so that he could propose to her. So once, once the fireworks started going off, he got down on one knee and he proposed to her because she loves fireworks. So he included all the things that she loved in their engagement. But yet my Irish girlfriend now, she, she got, um, she was waiting for the proposal. You know, they got to the church um, that her brother was a pastor for. And he was like, oh, let's go for a walk. And so they decided to walk down this raggedy street, downtown Ottawa. And I guess he was too nervous. He didn't really have any eloquent words, but he, on the, the, the sidewalk, he just popped down on one knee and proposed to her. No thought whatsoever, nothing planned. He, he, didn't, he didn't have anything that was maybe tailored to her during that proposal. And she, she had to just kind of act surprised and not disappointed by the lack of effort that he put into this proposal. And then she goes, oh, wow, oh, my God, wow. He got her to sit on the fucking curb while he gave her a ring. And I say fucking because I was like, for real? Like, honestly, I I would hope that if somebody was to propose to me, that they put a little bit more effort into it. And then they walked back to the church downtown. And she was like, oh, I'm engaged. And he's like, yeah, I just proposed to her. And everyone's like, yay, oh, that's great. And I was like, I know her well enough to know she was fucking livid that he decided to propose to her in such a form with no art to it no thought to it nothing not even an idea just sit on the fucking curb and presented her a ring so i laughed my ass off on the inside because i was like damn and when she when we were all out to dinner 
talking to the other girl who was explaining how many people were involved in making sure that this engagement went off so smoothly and all the work that he had put in. We were all sitting there like, wow, like this dude really wanted you to know that he cared for you. And then we all turned to her and we're like, oh, you just recently got engaged as well. How was that engagement? She's like, oh, we just walked down the street. He asked to sit on the curb and he whipped out a ring and said, will you marry me? And we were just like, oh, (laughs) at the same time. Oh my God. I felt so bad for her. But at the same time, I was like, you really wanted to get married. I don't think it really mattered who you were getting married to. That's like the impression I got. So we all just kind of went, oh, oh, well, that's really nice as well. You know, the pity that we give to people. We all decided to give the pity in that moment. Like, it's okay. He's still a good man. At least he proposed. (laughs) No. I mean, you have to understand, for this Irish girl, I mean, her brother and, you know, the congregation at the church kept sticking her or trying to push her into dating men that were just beneath her standards. And it was really surprising and really sad to see her brother, who's a pastor, completely ignore who she was as a person and just figured anyone would do she kind of had no option but to take this dude who literally had zero flair in his proposal whatsoever because her brother weren't wasn't really taking care of her i think at some point her brother turned around and said prior to her finding this one online that her standards were too high that maybe she needs to lower her standards a little bit and then maybe she'll get married and i thought to myself damn like you have no love for your sister to be able to say that shit she was so upset when she told me about this and i was like girl if i was in your position i'd be fucking upset too i'd be like who the fuck are you you're supposed to be my bro i would have cussed his motherfucking ass out but hey you know the christian community that's not what you do but as a family i'ma cuss you the fuck out because you should know who the hell i am but hey no no comment i have nothing to say in this situation because it was weird so anyways she kind of just had no choice but to settle with this guy so they eventually got married and it was a beautiful christmas wedding and she you know filed for her visa to go down to the states which is surprising because It's much quicker for you to get a visa, um, especially a work visa, to get to the States. Whereas here in Canada, if you are you are not of this country, it's a very it's a longer process. So I guess U.S. is is used to these types of situation. And so it goes much faster. So she got it and she immediately just packed up her shit and she moved there. And keep in mind, he has money. He has money. And then you saw the ring and you're like, oh, does he have money? But either way, he bought her a cute little ring. And, you know, at this point, his goal was to buy land and build a house because he's an engineer. Like he makes good money where he where he he lives. And she, upon arriving, found a job and she got a job in a university down there where she could pass her time as he's in his office for, you know, 16 hours a day on his on his computer. And I remember just saying to her, I was like, you know, how was the wedding night? Because, you know, she's a virgin and all. And she was saying to me, she's like, well, it was okay. She's like, he he didn't really last very long. And I was like, oh. 
she was expecting because you know she's never had sex before she's super excited she's like i'm 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 gonna get banged tonight and that's not what she got so she said she found that she just kind of had to be pushing him to have sex with her because he's a nerd and i was like well you have to maybe keep in consideration that you know he's on his laptop or computer all day long working so he might just end up watching porn and whacking off while he's there you know what i mean so he might not really be thinking about having sex with you as often as a regular guy who isn't really you know dependent on porn would would do so she just finds herself bitching at him constantly just to get some sex and i was like well good luck good luck you knew that he was yes the best option compared to what was being offered in the current church but good luck I mean, she's a good Christian girl, so she's not going to go cheating on him when she wants good sex. But I still wish her the best of luck with that because she is going to be a very frustrated wife. And keep in mind, she has that Irish temper. So I wish this Latina man who's super quiet and just does what he what you ask him to do. I wish him the best. He, he's clearly nothing like his family because on the wedding day, his family was dancing up a storm and having a few drinks and they were having a great time. And her family was just standing there not knowing what to do. Nobody wanted to dance or very rigid family. So I feel just so, so bad for her. <laughs> I even worked with a girl at a call center while I was going to university and she ended up meeting her husband on Twitter and they met and, you know, she went to visit him in the States because he didn't come up here, but she had to go down there to visit him as a Canadian and they met and they hit it off and, you know, they immediately got married and she quit her job and she moved to the States and she was completely happy as well. So it is normal for for people to use the internet to find mates and most times a lot of these girls are meeting people they want to spend the rest of their life with outside of their own country so it's become so normalized that at this point i wonder if these agencies are in fact needed (laughs) since online dating is is taking up the bulk of that work i don't know i i just i just don't know there are a lot of situations where people get married to stay in the U.S. and Canada. Some pay single women from states and Canada to marry a family member so they may move to this country. There are not mail-order brides, but it is used to get around the system. 10000 seems to be a popular amount to offer, but it really isn't enough. And that's that's a funny story behind that. And I had to mention it in this podcast episode because I remember meeting, I have a friend, she's an Asian. Back in the day when we first met, she was saying, oh, um, would you be interested in marrying my brother? And I said, what do you mean marry your brother? She's like, well, you're a Canadian citizen, right? And I said, yes. She's like, well, I'll pay you about $10,000 to marry my brother so he can come to this country. And I said, uh, no. And she's like, why? why would you say no? And I said, number one, you know, marrying someone to bring them to this country, it's a lot of hassle. I'm not going to go through the process of trying to convince the Canadian government that I'm not committing fraud and put myself in this type of situation for $10,000, honey. Do you know how big a student debt is? You think $10,000 is going to cover student debt? 
I, I love you. You're a great person, but there's no way in hell that I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm liable for somebody else. That means I'm going to be liable for taking care of them, feeding them, clothing them, providing them situation. How much paperwork I'm going to have to fill out for $10,000? I said, I love you, but no. She's like, oh, well, I'll take care of all of it. And I said, oh, so what you're saying is that you're going to be filing all these paperwork as his wife. And she's like, well, I mean, she's like, 10000 is is a good amount. And I was like, have you looked at the debt rate for, for a many Canadians? $10,000 is really not even going to put a dent in that. Student loans at the time was, for university, about thirty dollars k $10,000 of thirty k is not enough. So in fact, I'm going to still be stuck with my debt and still have to do all this work so you can have your brother here. I said no. I said no. And I make it a point to make sure that people don't know that I'm a Canadian citizen because it's so popular nowadays for people to send to offer peanuts. $10,000 is peanuts. Every, you, you talk to these guys who are like, oh, my goal is to be a millionaire. And I was like, for real, just a millionaire? Because a million dollars really isn't a lot of money. If you can buy a house for a million dollars, it's really not a lot of money. That doesn't leave you with very much. A million dollars could help me clean up all of my debt. And keep in mind, I don't have that much debt to, you know, I'd still have a shit ton of money of disposable income that I could you easily use from that million dollars to, to do investments. But a million dollars nowadays is really not enough. So when people always brag about how they're a millionaire, it doesn't faze me because a million dollars is not enough, especially when you hear from the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial that prior to him marrying the floozy that he had about 650 million dollars a million dollars is nothing compared to what some of these rich people have in the world so ten thousand dollars ain't gonna do shit for me so i said no and it's very popular that ten thousand dollars amount seems to be just floating around i guess it's to to convince basic bitches to sign on to 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 doing something this stupid when really they should be sitting down and doing the exact calculations of everything and realizing that ten thousand dollars ain't gonna cover shit but hey i said no no thank you i'm not marrying someone and taking on that burden and that bullshit for 10 grand it's just not gonna happen most foreign brides to Canada online through matchmaking websites, the government in Canada say they don't track where foreign brides come from or how they meet their Canadian spouse, which would make sense since I can't find information about mail order brides and the statistics here in Canada. And that was quite disappointing for me to be able to do. I mean, this podcast episode was supposed to be about the Canadians, right? It's a Canadian podcast. I am talking about things and people within Canada. And I could not for the life of me find any information on mail order brides to Canada, except I keep fucking meeting them. So how is this possible? (laughs) But it seems they have resources for brides though. These mail order brides, they have resources, new brides, or foreign brides, they have little knowledge of, you know, the Canadian society. So they may not know what the local society is like, 
or what their legal rights are as mail order brides, right? But they have all of this. And clearly, you know, in Alberta, Edmonton, which is where this agency or this um, not-for-profit is located, they clearly see that that there is a need for this. So I didn't understand how the government of Canada did not have these statistics at all. How are they, these news sources mentioning that they're trying to change certain things about, you know, marriages, especially with male order brides or male order, yeah, male order brides. And yet there is nothing founded in, in assisting with this, this narrative here in Canada. They are finding more foreign brides seek help and understanding. So these guys, they meet their brides online. They don't really tell them shit. They come to this country, they get married, and they're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Alberta, Edmonton, it's beautiful. The Perrys, it's beautiful, especially when you're driving out to that side of Canada. It's the most beautiful thing to see, especially if you're from the, the country, like the, the city life. So you can only imagine that these women would come to these countries and they would marry and they don't know what to do. They don't know their rights. They, they don't know what they can do. They're stuck in the middle of nowhere. They have nowhere to go. They have no friends and they just, they're just alone. Even though you're married to someone, you're alone. And there's a lot of relationships out there where people are in a relationship with someone that they love, but they feel alone. They're looking for support. Some, some want to know if they have to have children because at this point, like they got married just so they can get out of their circumstances. And now they're in another circumstances and they're not happy. They're not feeling it. They, they're completely disappointed. And now this, this man who ordered them online to get married, to move here, wants to have children. And you're like, do I even want to have children with you? I'm just completely disappointed with this life altogether. Again, this is the downside. The downside that nobody wants to talk about. The downside of mail order brides coming to whatever country and is completely just feeling alone and isolated. They can't do anything. Nothing whatsoever. This is the downside. It's it's not that great. It really isn't. But again, they these organizations that get a shit ton of money for mail order brides want you to know that it is the best option. You will have a lasting marriage if you just pick one of these girls that you don't know and you're going to be happy. Well, I guess not. Some end up living out of in the middle of nowhere. No transportation, they're stuck. Sometimes the bride comes not knowing that she will be a live-in nanny to take care of aging parents. That's that's what you are. That's what a mail order bride is. They're they're picking you because they need someone to take on that responsibility because they don't want to. Your job is to take care of their parents and make sure their parents is happy. And then on top of that, you have to make sure that you provide sex, you provide food and all of that stuff for your husband. You work for your husband. Keep in mind, that's not the case for all. Because if you are drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful, that's not what they're paying for you for, to be their maid, to take care of their family or aging parents or anything like that. You're being paid for, for something specific. And you might not like it, but you knew what you signed up for. 
The Federal Immigration Ministry says that in 2016, about 45,000 women arrived as spouses. It has no data on how many were brides from through online or were part of an engaged marriage. Canada really needs to do better. Many foreign brides are frustrated by how long the sponsorship papers and how long it will take for their spouse to file for them. Again, the sponsorship process, I understand you're getting frustrated with, but the fact that your actual spouse doesn't want to file for you and is taking a sweet ass time, that's a you problem. It's not, let's not forget the length of time it takes to get a work permit. Again, if it was the United States of America, it would be much quicker for this to happen. But Canada still has a long way to go in documenting what type of spouses are coming to this country and for what purpose. And I, I understand that, you know, the philosophy that that uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, which is a prime minister here in Canada, which was, you know, one of his most famous statement is what happens in your bedroom is none of the government's business. But in this situation, you kind of need to list, you know, what purpose this bride is if you are getting it, you know, this bride from a different country. How did you meet them? They're not really doing their due, their due diligence and figuring this out. If it's a mail order bride, they should have an actual system where maybe it would process sponsorship and work permits much quicker because of the situation rather than kind of dragging this out. The United States, they just approve everything. <laughs> you get a work permit quick. You get into the country quick. I mean, oh my God. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's just funny how our systems are so completely different from the U.S. and we're so close. Like, look, you can literally just look out the window, you see the U.S. I'm just bullshitting you there, but you know what I mean. Some arrive and start to feel unsafe in their marriage. And this is just a women's perspective. I do want to share a story. So I have met about another three other mail order brides. One of them, she was a little bit older. She came to Canada, you know, earlier before all of this, this, this nonsense. And so she was very grateful and she loves her husband. She takes very good care of her husband. And over some time being a a stay at home to her husband and caring for him and, you know, cooking for him and loving him and all of that stuff. She, she's, she's like the ebotomy or not even the ebotomy. She's, she is what mail order brides used to be is my definition of meeting her super sweet super sweet russian lady um she wears glasses and she's so kind and she's so giving to everyone and you know her husband drops her off and picks her up from work every single day and so she's very happy when she comes to work and she's very happy when she has to go meet her husband and go home and spend time with him and so i love this woman to death just so kind so sweet and then i met this other Asian lady, but I think she's more Filipino or she might be from Korea. One of the two. It's very hard sometimes to tell the difference. I mean, I can tell a Cambodian from others, (laughs) 
but it's really difficult sometimes to kind of go, okay, you're Korean. Okay, you're Chinese, especially when some of them are mixed. Some of them are like half Chinese, half Korean. So it's so hard. For Chinese, it's easier for me to be able to tell that this person's Chinese based on the color of their skin because it's very pale. It has like a, a specific um tint or color to it that would differentiate them from others and then there's a japanese which you know have a similar darker shade but not all the time you know just like black people have different shades you're either yellow you know you're more spicy looking or you know you're you're black black like charcoal black and there's so many different shades to a black person it's kind of the same thing with with asian people so it's very hard to be able to tell the difference. So this girl, she kind of gives me the impression that she's more Cambodian, especially by the way that she talks and her accent. And so she's married to an OC transport bus driver who's always cranky. I mean, this man doesn't smile. And she's always smiling. She's always happy. And she's like, oh, hey, hey. And she's super sweet, super giving, super respectful. And I was like, okay. And he was just, which I understand completely because he's an OC transport bus driver. Have you dealt with the public on a daily basis for a certain hours of the day? And she looks like, you know, she came to the country, she started taking care of him. She started trying to organize his life. She tried to, she did everything that she needed to do as a wife. And when her work permit came in, she went to school. She got her, you know, uh, nursing uh, college diploma and she's now a doctor in uh, not a doctor, but like a, a nurse working for the hospital. When she gets home, I find her, you know, doing laundry because we live in a building. I find her doing laundry and she's super nice and she's super sweet. And, and so, you know, she's always taking care of her husband who doesn't speak. He just grunts and she knows what he's saying. So to me, that's a really good wife, a really, really good wife. But when I was working in retail during college, there was this one girl, and I think I've already told this story. I believe it was a cautionary tale of be careful who you marry in one of these podcast episodes. I have a lot of podcast episodes. I think I'm at, what, 60-something at this point? So if you ask me to tell you which podcast episode that is, my friend, you're going to have to listen to all 62 podcast episodes to find this story again. And um, beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous, blonde from Russia gorgeous girl like when I saw her I was like damn she must be you know a celebrity but then I saw her old navy clothes and I was like yeah you broke but anyways uh her and I decided to go to second cup and I went to get my my hot chocolate my white hot chocolate and a croissant and she got herself a coffee and a croissant and so we were sitting down and I was like, oh, you know, you know, at this point she was like 21 years old and she was a mail order bride. And I said, you know, how are you liking it to be married this young? I've, it always baffles me when I meet people who are like 16 years old and they're already married. And I was like, why? How are you married at 16 when you don't even know who the hell you are? How are you going to know what type of wife you you could be you don't even have an identity you're still trying to figure out who the hell you are how is this possible anyway she's 21 years old and i was like you know i need to ask this question just how why just just tell me and she's like honestly i just wanted to get out of my current circumstances in russia and i said okay but i mean i guess you found someone you really wanted to marry and she's like honestly anyone would have done it and i went oh 
And I said, but now that you're here, because again, all these mail order brides, like they love and care for their their husbands. Like that's that's kind of what I've seen. But keep in mind, they're a bit older and they've been in this marriage for a longer period of time. But she's a new new. She's a new new. And um, I said, but I mean, you're comfortable. You left Russia. You're now in Canada and you live with him. She's like, yeah, but he's always on the computer. So she married a nerd. She married a nerd. And she's like, oh, he's an engineer and he makes a lot of money, but he doesn't want to do anything. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, when she first arrived, all he wanted was for her to like cook for him and have sex. That was it. He didn't take her anywhere. She thought that upon coming to this country that, you know, since he has money, he's going to show her that lavish lifestyle, bring her to nice fancy restaurants. They're going to go out to, you know, a few clubs and enjoy themselves. But that wasn't the case. He was like a homeboy. And I was like, well, I mean, I did see your husband when he came to pick you up one day and he didn't really look like the type that would be interested in that kind of lifestyle. But I guess she was on the imp- under the impression upon marrying him that maybe he would change that once they got married because she doesn't want to be cooped up in the house all the time. It took her months to get a work permit after coming here to get a job just to get away from him. Like that's how she saw her job as a means to get the fuck away from him. So they, you know, I would see them walking around the mall together and he was one of those guys that just hung his head down, just looked so pitiful, completely pitiful. And I'm like, you're married to a Russian girl. You do understand their culture, right? They're used to men being men. You know what I'm saying? They're used to men just, just with the classism about them. Like that's her culture. And instead she married you and you did not consider the the perception that she would she would see having this man who hangs his head keep in mind she is dropped it gorgeous so when she's walking through the mall heads turn guys check her out all the time and instead of standing beside her strong and proud he would like hang his head and he'll hang off of her like like she's his mother and i would stand there in front of the store going oh that is so sad and i can tell that she hates it because she was like, why the fuck did I marry you, you pathetic piece of shit? And she did say that to me. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my God. She's like, he's just pathetic. He's just he's just a piece of shit. And the way she talked, it was with, with a grudge and disdain. Like she was disgusted by him. She's like, all he wants to do is eat steak and potatoes. And I said, well, maybe you should talk to him about eating some vegetable, you know, to help him live a little bit, little bit longer. She's like, I hope he dies soon. I hope he chokes on that steak and dies. And the way she said it, I was like, oh, my God, like she really hates the man that she's married to. But she has to do her time. So I said, all right, I, I don't know. I said, I guess you can't divorce him right now. She's like, no, she needs to make sure she fortifies her situation here in Canada and then she can leave his ass. So she she's she's bored of the sex. She's she's bored of the fact she just cooks some food, throws it on the table, and she just sits there drinking whatever, just watching him pig out on a steak and a potato. And so working here at the store with us is like a break from just him. But he just hangs off of her and she kind of leans away from him when he gets a little bit too clingy because all the guys are checking her out. And I was like, what's your ambition? She's like, honestly, at this point, I'm working at the store to get experience in the Canadian environment. And then her plan is to go and work at Marciano's. I think that's what it's called. It's like an upgraded version of guests. And in my mind, I was like, guests is more for escorts. Most of the escorts that I have met here in Ottawa, they seem to love wearing guest clothes and guest purse and guest perfume and guest 
her like shoes and guess everything and i was like so y'all are spending this kind of money on guests when they spend way less because they have their clothes being made in a a sweatshop and the clothes is actually super fucking cheap but once they put their guest name on it it becomes more expensive and here are you escorts trying to act like you know what fashion is buying guests and you don't you don't you're spending a shit ton of money on shit that actually isn't worth that kind of money that you're paying for it but then they they came up with marcianos and marcianos is more for like the higher class escorts that make money they're no longer getting you know clients here and there who are just trying to test the waters you know because they've never done it before you know the broke ones the ones that don't want to really part with their little money because it's little these are for the escorts that have that that backing now they have their clientele are big they've made a name for themselves. good pussy this one take this one you know it's circulated in the in the top money making men kind of variety so they they have a consistent amount of money coming in with a regular clientele of people with money so most of them are married and you know they do this all the time they come into town and it's like this is their escort they go out to dinner they go out to a club and they have a good time fucking at the end of the night so they have a consistent clientele with good money coming in consistent money coming in they go to marciano's and so she wants to go work there because it's luxury it looks luxurious she's like this is what i want and i was like honestly you should have just been an escort because <laughs> basically what you're describing your life as is that you're an escort but instead you're fucking this dude that just can't even satisfy you in any way She's always suggesting they go out to dinner and he doesn't want to go out to dinner because he feels insecure. He's incredibly insecure, hanging his head, walking through the mall, holding on to her arm. Not her holding on to his. He's holding on to hers as they walk through the mall. And she's walking confidently and he's walking like, oh, these guys are looking at you, you know, with tears in his eyes. And she can't fucking stand it. So she keeps cooking all the greasiest food that she possibly can. And she's hoping that it'll clog up his his throat and he will just die. She won't even call the cops until she's 100% sure he's dead. She's that girl. So those are some of the male order brides, the young ones that are coming into this country and, and basically just completely disappointed. And they are vindictive. They just don't give a F about you they only care about themselves and they're going to pave their own way and they'll do what they have to do until it is time so those are the types of mail order brides that i have met throughout my lifetime and some of them aren't mail order brides some of them you know meet their spouses online and they move to a different country and they blah 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 it's all great but anyways, so these are the, the distinction between the age demographic. The younger the mail order brides, the more vindictive they are. They are plotting your death to get away from you. And then there's the ones that came way back in the day when things were a little bit more simple and their expectations weren't really that high and they were really just looking for something comfortable and looking for someone to care for and love and that person would care and love for them back. And they lucked out when they found what they found and they took very good care of their husbands. Very, very good care. So as I said before, there are always a good and a bad to every situation 
Some have great experience with mail order brides and others do not. And this is not a conversation that is being had every single day. So I want you to consider that when you meet a mail order bride, not to stick your nose up in their business, but understand that there's a bad and a good and you really don't know what's going on. And if you're like, oh, I really want to be a mail order bride and I, it just looks so fabulous. Again, the grass is never green on the other side. You really don't know what you're going into. You do not know what to expect. And when you get there, you can't bitch and complain because this is something that you spoke into your life and you put yourself on this path and now you're just going to have to eat it. That's it. That's all. So this concludes this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast. Leave a like on social media, rate and leave a review on the episode or Orchid Bloom's podcast. The Bloomers merchandise is now available on the website taonetwork.ca or Instagram shop if you follow me on at the ambitious net on Instagram. So I look forward to speaking to you again for the next podcast episode. Thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Visit our website at tao.ca and our social media pages, which are Facebook, The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram at The Ambitious Net, Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. My personal Instagram page is at Orchid Eye Brown. Don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button and share your favorite episode with your family and your friends. I hope you have a splendid day.